You're listening to the Mazingo Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Mazingo. Um, Just a brief introduction on myself. I was a 15th round draft pick by the New York Mets in the 2003 MLB draft. And I was a 6th round pick by the Kansas City Royals in the 2006 MLB draft. Uh, I spent 6 seasons pitching professionally. And now I own Mazingo Baseball. And I am very excited to welcome y'all to the Mazingo Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. All right, welcome back to the Mazingo Baseball Podcast. I've got an exciting guest here with me today. Someone that went to the same high school that I went to, so I'm thrilled about having him on. He's got a great story to share. Um, So we're going to welcome our guest here, Reggie Johnson. Um, Reggie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, so Reggie, um, like I said, he graduated from the same high school that I went to. He's a 2012 graduate of Essex High School. He then went on to play at Hampton Sydney College and then eventually signed a professional contract with the Houston Astros. So, Reggie, great story. So I want to start off with the process of you playing in such a small town, um, the process of growing up, like what playing was like, um, and then the, the eventual transition into – uh, showcase ball and then your high school days so just talk just run us through the from the very beginning here yeah I mean so just growing up and you know Essex you know it's like it's always fun to just be like a small group of people you know have that competition but what you people fail to realize is there's so much more talent out there so you can't be afraid to you know venture out go to like bigger cities Richmond Fredericksburg you know Northern Virginia areas just to see different talent because there's millions of kids with the same dream as you but it's like you have to work harder than any of them coming from a smaller town because there's not many people that are gonna be like oh well, let me just go to you know small town type hannock and see what they might have when there's thousands of kids in richmond that they can go to one spot and pick out multiple recruits from right there so you really got to make yourself stand out you know venture out play in those tournaments in big cities and just have fun with it i mean it's definitely gonna be a challenge you might be scared but now, with failure comes great success. Reggie is one of three athletes, three baseball players, to ever sign professional contracts out of our high school, Essex High School. Um, I should have mentioned that to start with. Um, I was fortunate enough to get to see Reggie play a little bit at Essex High School. Um, it was right when I was first getting back from pro ball. My professional career ended in 2011. Reggie graduated in 2012. So my first year back, I was working with the program a little bit and got to see Reggie pitch. Um, but I also got to see Reggie. Uh, I also got to see you play basketball, and you were a pretty big <laughs> basketball star at the high school. And I, and I want I want you to talk a little bit about the importance or what role playing basketball or any other sport you may have played growing up had on your baseball development. I definitely, you know, advise being a multi-sport athlete growing up because there's going to be some things that you aren't used to using, like certain body parts and muscles you aren't used to using in baseball that you do that stuff in basketball like putting your body in certain positions and then football as well. I know a lot of people are big on playing football and baseball, but just being able to adapt and adjust is big moving forward because, you know, as you get older, people are going to try to train you and teach you different methods. And if you play one sport, you focus on one thing growing up your whole life, it's like it's going to be tough to adjust and be coachable rather than you playing two to three sports or more. And like, it's just so much easier to adjust and, much more success. I'm not going to say much more success, but it's like it's easier to adapt when you play multiple sports and 
when you have coaching further down the road. Yep, no, absolutely. So, um, so we live in a, in a, in a time now, the baseball culture, especially at the youth levels, is so geared to playing baseball year round. Um, so I want to just ask you a little bit about whether or not, um, did, did you play year round travel baseball growing up or did you transition to that later? So I played basketball, baseball, football until I was 12, had a knee surgery around age 12. And then it was just basketball and baseball. But probably once I got to my junior, senior high school, there was a time in the fall, summer in the fall, when I focused more on baseball because I knew then, like, that's what the ultimate goal was for me. But I still played basketball in high school. But, you know, there was, like, fall leagues in different places. I know they had one in the Northern Neck, and I played that my senior year. But, like, I went to San Diego one summer, and I went to Arizona all in high school just trying to, you know, find different competition is more of a challenge yeah no absolutely good stuff um so one of the one of the things that i'm big on i try to i don't i don't, I don't want to use the word preach but one of the things that i really try to emphasize to young kids is that in the long in the long run being athletic is going to win out so so many are focused on the short-term development at young ages and, and they just are short-sighted and fail to see the bigger picture which is that we're working towards the goal as we get older and it doesn't really matter how good we are at young ages, um, which is going to transition to something here. Um, I, like I said, I did get to see you pitch at Essex high school. And one of the things that stood out at a, at, at that point in time for you was the fact that you were in control of what you wanted to do on the mound. Um, meaning that um, you, you just kept pressure on hitters. Um, you didn't walk people, you attacked the strike zone and you were just kind of a bulldog type mentality out there on the mound. Um, so it was very obvious you were a pitcher that people wanted to have on their teams, okay? So I want you to talk about, um, and as I mentioned earlier, Reggie went to Hampton Sydney College, which is a Division three school, which most people think, oh, I've got to be Division one by as a sophomore in college, and I mean, a sophomore in high school, and those types of things now. So I want you to talk about the process um, of, of going through high school and then ended up signing with a Division three program there at Hampton Sydney. Um, how did that process work out for you? And what was the mindset for you at that point, Dom? Uh, so I know, like, that was always thing people saying, go Division One, go Division One." But for me, it was just getting the opportunity to play. Like, you can't get better if you don't play. So let's just say you are, you know, your average talent at a D1 school. But if you don't get the chance to play and get better, what good is that going to do you? So, you know, Division Three was – it gave me opportunity to keep playing, face different competition, like I was saying, and just get better. Like, the coaches there were awesome – they gave you like a weightlifting program. If you wanted to play in summer leagues, they reached out to coaches, you know, throughout the U.S. Like, hey, we have a guy here who wants to play. We have a spot for him. I mean, they made it – they almost made it easy for me to take it to the next level because of how much they – how much effort they put into it to reach out, you know, different weight programs. And just – it's a plus being able to continue playing. Like, D1 is great, but if you have the opportunity to play at all, take that chance. Like if you're going to go to D1 school and sit the bench, what good is that going to do you? Like, Man, that, that is gold right there. Um, so many get wrapped up in this D1 or bus mentality. Um, and I have a lot of people that are, are telling me like, I don't want to play if I don't go D1. And I'm, and it's just, it's mind boggling to me, right? Especially here in Virginia, because we have a phenomenal, phenomenal talent at the division three level here yeah. in the state of Virginia. Um, there are guys drafted 
or sign professional contracts every year at a D3 level here in Virginia. Um, so my advice has always been just extend your career, no matter no matter what what road you have to go to get there, extend your career and give yourself an opportunity, yeah. right? If this is what you really want. Um, not getting this D1 doesn't mean that that, that was that was never the goal to start no. with, right? The goal was to play professional baseball. Doesn't matter yeah. how you get there. Okay. All that matters is that you extend your career and give yourself an opportunity to get there. Okay. So I've got to ask you this. I'm gonna put you on the spot <laughs> a little bit here. Um, what do you think was your limiting factor in not getting um or not going D1? Out I of think the biggest thing was, you know, growing up, I was not big in the weightlifter. And I noticed instantly when I started lifting and doing like more training, my velocity increased, you know, and I would say pitching is very big range of motion. Kids being able to be flexible, durable. That is key. Like I go to different uh, base, like training travel places. And that's one thing that coaches focus on now is mobility, just flexibility for kids. It is a big thing because if you can't, like I say, if you can't put your body in certain points or extremities, it's like, it's going to be tough to succeed at the next level because of how much you put your body through when weightlifting, conditioning. Because, you know, you think in high school, you might work out once, twice a week, if that. But you get to the next level in college, it's like, okay, you're pushing it now. You're going three, four days, five. And then the next like professional level, there was like months on end. We had one off day a month. So it's like, Hey, you're you're constantly putting your body through tough tasks and you have to make sure like it's ready for the longevity, it's ready for the long haul. Yeah, and that's such a good point. I mean, most of us, um, especially when you get into pro ball, right, um, or even really college, it, it becomes a very, uh, 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 I guess so, I, I, I hate to use the word grind, but uh, it just becomes very uh, yeah. meticulous, right? So you're just doing this stuff day after day after day and you're in the summer months and you don't get much time off, right? Um, and then a lot of us end up, like it's tough to maintain weight throughout yeah. a season, right? Um, so that's strength training really comes into play. And you can't get into like real, real strength training during the end season, right? And the end season is such a yeah. long season. Um, so for that base you build in the off season becomes, becomes critical for uh, long-term success. Um, so how much did you weigh coming out of Essex High School? And then what did you weigh when you left? So when I graduated city? high school, I was 165, believe it or not. <laughs> and before I let you, how, I was how tall two, were you? Right around 6'2", yeah. Okay, so 6'2", so 165, and then when you left Hampton City. I was 215, I was 6'4". Perfect. That couldn't <laughs> be any better um, because it's going to drive home the point that what we were talking about earlier that we get so caught up in that D1 or bus mentality, right? And we all grow at yeah. different rates, right? Everybody has a different clocks within their own system that they're, they're going to continue to grow. So we have a lot of people that aren't done growing physically by the time they're 18 years old. Um, and we think for whatever reason, we think if we're not there at 18, yeah. that's the end, right? Um, and, and you're a living testament to that, right? You, you grew two more inches in college and put on, what was that, 50 pounds? <laughs> Yeah. That's insane. Such a such a good story. So I next I want to ask you about the transition um to playing at Essex High School and then going to Hampton Sydney. What was that transition like for you? Uh definitely the speed of the game increased. So it was like you really gotta focus on slowing it down in your head, which is a lot easier said than done. So like everybody's moving faster, you know, they're 
less mistakes being made. So you kind of have to keep up with that level of play, which is, is this, like I said, it's going to be a challenge, but you have to be committed and you have to love it and dedicate yourself to it. But the biggest thing I noticed, I would say, uh, the breaking balls. Like when I, because I also hit in college, was like seeing pitchers throw breaking balls from high school to college, it's a big difference. Hitters also have to play if you're pitching. Hitters have a much more discipline. They aren't chasing pitches. They, you know, they battle at the plate more. And it's just that will make – it makes it – you have to, like, critique your game so much more. Like, you have to tune in. That's why, like, missing – say you're missing the ball off the plate. If you're getting that call, that's why you want to stick there. Like, that's when location comes into play I mean, in terms of velocity. is like you get guys who take certain pitches because they're so disciplined. But it's like if you're also disciplined as a pitcher – you can keep it in the same spots and getting them is like you're going to win that battle nine times out of ten. Yeah, good stuff. And you kind of beat me to my next point. I was going to bring up the fact that you were a two-way guy in college. Um, and I was going to ask you if you thought, um, looking back on that, that that helped or hurt you in any way um, and what the, uh, what the process was like. Did you feel like you got enough reps in on both? Um, how did you handle being a two-way guy um, if you knew or did you know, I guess would be the first question, did you know at that point in time that you wanted to pitch professionally? Uh, I'm going to be honest. It kind of threw me for a shock. When I first got there, I was going just for pitching. But they knew that I played outfield in college, I mean, high school as well. So they let me hit in, like, tryouts, and I did well. And also then I ran, like, a six, six, eight, six, seven, which is pretty decent, especially for D3 level. So I would say yep. they, they also played it well. So when I pitched, I pitched the first game on the weekends. That way, you know, I wouldn't be playing outfield first game, coming to pitch, and I'm exhausted. So if I'm pitching, it's like all my energy was exerted in pitching that first game. And then they allowed me, like, DH, or if I wanted to play outfield, play outfield the second game. So they also – they planned it out well to, like, use my energy in the best time as possible. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, so um, if, I, if I remember this correctly – you didn't pitch much at all as a freshman at Hampton, Sydney, correct? Correct. So my freshman year, okay. I had a thumb injury, and okay. I broke my thumb like in his third game against CNU. So kids never, ever, ever slide headfirst in the home plate. <laughs> Don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I broke my thumb my freshman year, and I'll never do it again. Okay, so was the plan for you to pitch that year, or were you not going to pitch much? to start with, and then that happened? Uh, I think the plan for my freshman year was more to play outfield, honestly. And then okay. after having that thumb injury, you know, playing in the summer league after my freshman year, all I could do was pitch because I couldn't really swing a bat. And then that's when I started noticing I got much better at pitching as the years went on. And that's when, you know, I started to realize, okay, maybe pitching is what I want to do at the next level. So I focused more on that and just watching film, um, that's a big thing. You don't really think about it because, like, well, just follow your mechanics, but you can't really slow it down and see what you're doing unless you have, you know, someone recording or you watch film every day. Right, right. So, so the fact that you didn't pitch much at all as a freshman was that um, frustrating for you at all in any way, or just because of the the in, the thumb injury, you just knew you couldn't do it anyways? Um, I, that makes sense. What I'm trying to ask. Yeah, definitely. It was. Frustrating, but uh, I understood they didn't want to put me in a situation. Let's just say I had a ball hit back at me and I go to catch it and hit my thumb. I was like, 
you know, it looks bad on everybody's part, me for trying to play through injury for them for also putting me in a situation to get hurt, possibly ruin my career in the long run, even though it's just a thumb injury. But, you know, those things can linger and who knows what can happen. But uh, it was definitely frustrating. So you just got to, you know, you sit back and you you got to readjust and come up with a different game plan. You know, it was all about adapting on the fly. So things might not go as they seem at the moment, but people always say trust the process. And that's definitely uh, definitely something you have to do. You know, just have faith and trust the process. Yeah, absolutely. So you didn't pitch much as a freshman, but you came back – that sophomore season and you started to announce your presence with a little bit of authority there. Right. Yeah. Um, you got quite a bit of amount of time. You had a phenomenal sophomore year. Um, and then you just kept following that up. Phenomenal junior year, phenomenal senior year. At what point in time at Hampton Sydney or maybe even before that, what, at what point in time did you realize that playing professionally was within your grasp? So there was a summer um, going into my junior year in between sophomore and junior year. I played in a summer league down in North Carolina, and, you know, I was like – people asking me, like, man, how hard do you throw? I was like, I don't know, 82, 83. And we had a pro day in the summer league, and, like, I hit 91. I was like, well, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but, you know, and like I said, working out, trusting the process, I changed my workout habits. I used to bench press all the time thinking, oh, I want to be big and buff. But as a pitcher, you have to be, you know, flexible. You got to be agile. And I started doing more, like, back exercises, shoulder exercises. And I instantly noticed an increase in velocity. So I was like, going into my junior year, I realized, you know, there's definitely a chance. If I can jump that much over a summer, there's no telling what I can do from junior year to senior year now knowing what I know. So that I think that was the time where, like, it really kicked in. I was like, okay, there's a chance that, you know, I could get drafted and play the next level going into my junior year. Yeah, so um, so let's lead into that senior year. You had this phenomenal senior year. Um, what were your expectations following that year in terms of the draft um, or just playing professionally whatsoever? Uh, it was definitely uh, interesting. I know my in the fall of my senior year, so I had a couple of scouts come just to watch me long toss, which was interesting. I was like, well, who really cares about that? But they said that gave them a chance to see the type of person I was, my work ethic, which is a big key moving forward. Like I said, you work every day to perfect that craft. And like, that was the thing they wanted to see then just my character and then how I like reacted around my players, how I treat everybody and just the effort I put in, in the off season. And then going into the spring, I received a few questionnaires. I know one from the Dodgers, Nationals, um, Marlins, and I want to say the ODAC tournament, you know, I had one of the – I had one really good game. I, like, I think I sat like 88 to 92, still 92, 93 in the seventh inning, almost at 100 pitches. So I had a like a pro tryout with the uh, – like a pre-draft workout with the Yankees in Staten Island. And that's when I hit like 94, 95, which I was like, okay, maybe there's a bigger chance now that helps my chances. So, like, I talked to the scout, like, yeah, you know, I'll definitely be in touch with you next week on draft day. So, I was like, wow, this could really happen. And then, you know, you go through the draft. It's like, didn't get my name called. I was like, man, do I look for work now? Like, how does this work? But there was, like, two or three days after the draft, there was a couple of guys in my league who also 
had a chance to play professional. So there was like a, a workout for free agents after the draft and the Astros were there, the Marlins were there and the Yankees guy came back because he was trying to figure out a way of like if he could sign me because he told me he wanted to sign. It was just how things worked out. You know, he couldn't pull the trigger. But uh, so at the workout, like I sat 90 to 93 and I was locating every pitch how I wanted it. So the Astros scout called and said, hey, man, you know, if things were to work out, you know, would you be able to leave today or tomorrow or the next day to come to spring training? I was like, uh, yeah, of course. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to go make some phone calls and just stay by your phone because I might be in touch with you in the next hour or so. And literally on the way back, so I rode with my college coaches from Hampton, Sydney. On the way back to school, we are 20 minutes away from the workout facility. And he calls and he's like, well, I got great news. Do you want to play baseball? I was like, heck yeah. (laughs) When do you need me to leave? (laughs) So literally that was like heart was racing. And then I literally left the next day. So I had to go home, pack bags, and head to spring training. And then on that journey, I went. Yeah, so you got to tell me a little bit about that whole process there. So you you just kind of talked about what it was like when you got the call. But obviously, you said you're on the way back now, right? So you still haven't called family or anything like that yet, right? So what was it like when you got to actually tell your family? When um, it was it was bittersweet, you know. There's a story in an article I told um, someone from my college a while back. So my grandmother passed away eight years ago, it was like my freshman year of college. And my last promise to her was to play professional baseball. And I called my college coach the day she passed. Like, I don't care what you have to do. Like make this goal possible. This is make it happen. So he pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. And he reminded me after I got that phone call, hung up with the scout. He reminded me, like, you remember that promise that, you know, you gave your grandmother? I was like, yep. So like right then, like it, I just broke down. It was like, it hit home. I was like, man, it's it's a dream come true. It was like the fact that he remembered that, and it meant a lot. You know, like I, I used to watch it, like the college coaches there. They were awesome. They they always supported me. But for him to bring that up, it's like he truly, like me getting drafted was just exciting for them as it was for me, which shows how much they care about their players. You know, even after college, like I said, I was graduated by then. They let me stay at the facility and work out. You know and just keep pushing. They kept pushing. They contacted scouts for me and everything. Like, they were always very supportive in making that goal happen. Wow, Reggie, that was, that was, that was an amazing story. I had goosebumps listening to that one. Um, that, that's a pretty powerful message, too. Um, so now the years have passed a little bit, and I don't know how much you've had time or even thought about reflecting on what you were able to accomplish, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, um, I just want you to take a minute and I want you to think about this for a second and tell me what this actually means to you looking back. All right. So you go to Hampton, Sydney, um, you finish seventh all time in program history with 133 strikeouts and you walk just 48 batters in 173 and a third innings and you become the third player in program history to join a major league baseball organization. Okay. I don't know if you've had time to reflect on all of that. Um, but just the fact that you came from a little tiny single A high school in the middle of nowhere, um, you're not overly recruited. Then you go and you enter the, the record books that your 
at your college's uh, pro, in, the, in your college's program history, and then you end up signing with the Astros, fulfilling that promise that you made to your grandmother. Uh, I just want you to reflect on what all of that means to you. Um, you know, I tell my parents this all the time. I was like, you know, you always sometimes you're second guess, like, man, could I've done something else? It was like at the end of the day, it's like just you always are grateful and thankful for those opportunities. Like, let's just say I grew up in a bigger high school, you know, I might not push myself as hard or I could have gotten caught up in doing something else. But going to Essex High School, the one thing that there was always for me to do was play a sport. So, like, being there pushed me. And Hamilton City, like, people think, oh, man, small school. Like, for one, education-wise, that is a top-of-the-line school. You know, I'm going to go in right now and advertise it. Hamilton City is, if you want to go to a college and prepare yourself for life after college, that is a place to be. Um, And then the program, like I said, I just gave myself – it gave me a chance to play ball still, keep playing. Like, it wasn't me just sitting back, watching other guys play. I got to play, develop, grow, you know, just make connections with people. It's like I wouldn't change anything for the world. Like I still keep in touch with those guys. Um, even pro-wise, like I still keep in touch with my pitching coaches. And it's like my manager for my first year, he's now the director of player development for the Phillies. He reached out to me a week after I accepted my new job. He's like, well, would you want to get back into coaching? And I was like, you know, and sometimes you kind of – make your own decisions and realize what you want to do. It's like, and for me, like, I still like, enjoy baseball, but getting into the work I do now, I also enjoy that more benefits, you know, just, I'm, I'm enjoying everything. So it was like, there's no regrets, you know, life is great. Just, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. So no, I look, I've got just a few more questions for you here. Um, so you signed with the Astros in 2016, you go through that rookie ball year, um, and then you come back out in 2017, um, and you're in the New York Penn League. Uh, I think you started the year somewhere else, but you ended up in the New York Penn League, and you were an all-star that year. Um, and then, um, I I don't know if it's something you really enjoy talking about or not, but I'm going to put you on the spot. I got to ask you the tough questions. Okay. So that year ends, um, I've got to imagine that you're, you're floating high right now, right? Like, you've just been an all-star in the New York Penn League. Um, it's your first full season. You're an all-star. Things are going very well for you at yeah. this point in time. Um, and then the off-season comes. Um, I'm sure that you're, you're pushing it like crazy. Did, and then the next year comes, and I'll just let you talk about what happened that next yeah, year. Yeah, uh, that was definitely a, a big blow to take. That, that one was tough. So, it was like, I went to that off-season – but I don't think most people knew also a week after the All-Star game, I had a shoulder injury. So I'm not sure if that had some effect into what happened moving forward or what. But I was literally working out in the middle of a workout. Like one of my friends texted me that play. He's like, yeah, man, I just got released. And then, like, I get a phone call from the director of play development. I'm like, oh, man. And that's when they, like, told me. It was, I will never forget this day, December 22nd, 2017 at, like, 3 p.m., I got a phone call that I got released from the Astros. And I was like, you know, what do I do moving forward? So, like, the good thing I had my degree. But I played independent ball for, uh, like, a month or two in Missouri after that. And that's also another thing. Like, if you get the chance to play independent ball, take it. Like, the talent there is guys who play a double-A level, triple-A level. Like, it's still great talent, and it's still professional baseball. And there's a chance to go to the major leagues even after independent ball. So 
don't think just because like it's not MLB or minor leagues that it's a waste of time. Like no, the talent there is great. Like I said, you still get to play and develop, and there's also opportunities to play in the MLB after that. So if you get a chance to play ball anytime, like I would tell any kid, if you have a chance to play, play. Yeah, absolutely. Go, going back to what we were talking about before with that D1 or bust mentality, man, just I'll just extend your playing career. Give your, Just keep giving yourselves opportunity if this is what you really yeah. want. Um, you're not going to get with so many opportunities. Exert every, every one you have. Um, before you yeah. call it quits, right? Um, so um, we're going to transition here into one. And also, Reggie, I've been there, man. Like I've been released from professional baseball. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I remember the day very well, too. Um, and I'll probably talk about that at some point later on my podcast. But uh, I'm with you. I, I can feel for you on that one. Um, but I'm just going to leave. I want you to leave us with one more thing okay. here that I need you to do. I need you to talk about – I need you to talk about – what advice you would have for young kids and their parents um, growing up and along that journey? Um, just any advice you have? Um, you know, I definitely would say never give up. Because uh, I know the one plus that I had, and people think, oh, man, like people, I always hear people say, well, why didn't this kid go to do this, do that? They have so much talent. It takes a support system. I don't care what anyone says. When you have a goal that big, you can't do it alone. And for me, the big plus was my mom, dad, you know, whole family, close friends. They were always very supportive. And that made it that much easier to achieve that goal because I had people in my corner always pushing me, you know, behind me, letting me know they were proud of me no matter what I did. So you can have all the talent in the world, but you got to realize how many other things out in the world like that could you could get sidetracked from. So I like it kind of frustrates me if people say, well, why did this person go do this, go do that? It's like, you don't know what they have in their life going on. You don't know what type of support system they have. So if a kid has a goal in life, as the adult, the parent, teacher, whoever it is, you have to push them and support that goal. Of course, I mean, as long as it's a positive goal, of course, push them and support them. You know, like anything is possible if you put your mind to it. I don't care. Anybody says like, oh, man, you can't do this, can't do that. Like, I've had teachers, like, I wrote my goals down to high school, be a professional athlete. I'm not going to say any names, but I remember certain teachers telling me, make your goals more realistic. I'm like, well, why is this not a realistic goal? Because I come from a small high school? Like, no, that doesn't matter. You put yourself in certain situations, you know, venture out, challenge yourself. You're going to fail. I mean, but it's all about how you handle that failure that makes you who you really are. So as if I get any advice as a kid, like, keep pushing. You know, keep your head up. When you do fail, you know, look back on it, see what you did. And next time you go out, do something better. You could, you might fail again, but as long as you do something better and different, you don't fail the same way. That's the biggest key. Oh, man, such an, such an important message you just drove home there, Reggie. Um, that, that was amazing. Um, and look, what you just said, um, I've been there as well, probably in the same classroom <laughs> as you at Essex High School, right? Coach, you write down your goals and no, come back with something realistic. No, nah, this is it. Yeah. I ain't got no plan B. Yeah. This is it. Uh, so I've, I've been there. I've definitely been there. Um, and again, this was such a, a strong message that, um, and such an important story and a great story that you just shared with us. So I want to thank you for coming on here and sharing this with us. Um, I hope everyone can take something away from this. Um, and again, just want to thank you for coming well, thank on. Thank you for having me. Awesome.
Thanks for watching the Mazingo Baseball Podcast. I need y'all to do me a favor. Go follow me on my social media accounts. It's going to be Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And all of them are going to be at Mazingo Baseball. That's at Mazingo Baseball, okay? Go out and check out the website, MazingoBaseball.com. And do me a huge favor and check out the e-guide I wrote called Young Guns. You won't be disappointed. Um, it's all about developing youth baseball pitchers. And we cover almost everything in there. It comes with supplemental um, video content. I think right now we're at about 50 videos strong and still adding on to that. Okay. You don't want to miss out on that. All right. So go check those things out.